We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, vacuums are always filled. And wokeism, our new national religion, has filled the vacuum left by the church. As Bob Dylan warned us, you're going to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to The Rebellion. Today's topic, today's show, will be on wokeism, our country's new national religion. There's a revival of sorts going on right now. Secularism did not win. There was a vacuum created as the result of trying to kill God and remove him from the public square, trying to expunge culture of all religion. And that vacuum has sucked something into it, into its core, into the vortex. And that something is a new religion. It's called wokeism. I'm going to deal with this religious aspect of being woke today. I was recently asked by somebody who was visiting my home, a guest in my home, to tell her again what woke means. She was confused. She couldn't get her mind around this nebulous concept, this fuzzy concept, this jello of wokeism. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into what being woke means and why this is actually a religion. This has become our national religion, and you will bow. You will bow. You will pay penance, or you will suffer for not doing so. This is not just a, another competing idea. This is not just something crazy that's coming out of the ivory tower. This is not something you can ignore. This is something that is overwhelming our culture right now. It is a tsunami that's sweeping across the United States and all of the Western world. And it will have consequences. Ideas always have consequences. They matter. They always bear fruit. And this one is bearing fruit before your very eyes. Before we get into the topic for today's show, let's remember that if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. You can also buy my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, by going to my website, dreverettpiper.com, or by going to Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, Target, or any other online bookstore or on-ground bookstore, wherever you like to buy your reading material. So don't forget my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, and please consider subscribing to The Rebellion at patreon.com backslash Piper. Let's take a break right now and acknowledge our corporate sponsors. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the vacuum that's been created in our culture and the fact that it's being filled by something. Again, I'm not a physicist, but I learned enough about physics 
in junior high to tell you that vacuums are always filled. They're never left empty. Vacuums draw things into them. And what's being drawn into the vacuum created by secularism, secular humanism, relativism, is wokeism, our new national religion. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So two articles that I'm going to use to um, talk about being woke, talk about wokeism, talk about the new religion that's sweeping across our country. And it is a religion. This is not an exaggeration. The two articles that I'm going to use come out of the Daily Wire and Convergence.com. The Daily Wire article is first. It's written by John Brown on May 12th, 2021. So it's a recent article. John Brown, May 12th, 2021, The Daily Wire. The title of the article is The First Transgender Bishop Elected in Mainline Protestant Denomination Celebrates Dismantling the Council of Nicaea. Yes, you heard that correctly. The first transgender bishop elected in a mainline Protestant denomination celebrates, and the word is in quotation marks, dismantling the Council of Nicaea standards. The Council of Nicaea. Talk about chronological snobbery. I've talked about that in recent shows. The arrogance, the arrogance of assuming that your idea that you came up with five minutes ago is better than the ideas of the ages, the ideas of antiquity, the ideas that have set the standard for Western civilization, the standard for the church, the standard for human identity and human freedom. We now have a Protestant bishop, a Protestant bishop for the Evangelical Lutheran Church, the ELCA, a mainline Protestant denomination in the United States of America, this biological female who calls herself he and they, was elected on May 8th to serve as the bishop of the Sierra Pacific Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church. This person has said, that one of the things that are going to be celebrated and orchestrated most right now is the dismantling of the Council of Nicaea standards. Let's go into the article further. And then, by the way, if I don't deal with this issue thoroughly today, if in, in other words, if there's just not enough time to deal with everything I want to talk about, it'll be a two-episode installment. So don't get frustrated if I get to the end and you feel like things are dangling. But this is so important. Here's what the article says. The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America over the weekend became the first mainline denomination to elect a transgender bishop. Reverend Megan Rohr, a biological female who uses the pronouns he and they, was elected on May 8th to serve as the bishop of the Sierra Pacific Synod of the ELCA. Rohr will be installed in a position of authority on September 11th at St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Walnut Creek, California. Rohr celebrated the victory by praising the Synod for dismantling Listen to this. Rohr celebrated the victory by praising the Synod for dismantling, sound familiar? Black Lives Matter language, dismantling Western civilization and patriarchal hierarchy, dismantling and queering the nuclear family. Same language, same words, same intent. Back to the article. Rohr celebrated the victory by praising the Synod for dismantling the clerical standards set by the First Council of Nicaea in A.D. 325. Did you hear that? A bishop of a quote-unquote Christian church, a Protestant church, a church that was 
founded in the Protestant Reformation. A reformation, a reforming, a returning, a revival, a repentance. A reformation that has been the exemplar of how the church cleanses itself. The soap that not only cleanses culture, but cleanses itself because it has a true north, a biblical standard, church history, tradition, reason, experience, and scripture. The church, tradition, reason, experience, and scripture. This new bishop is celebrating the dismantling of all of that all the way back to the First Council of Nicaea in A.D. 325, the first ecumenical gathering of bishops in the church's history. The council that came up with the Nicene Creed. I've read these creeds to you on previous shows, and I've said to you, these things define the church because they're grounded in the true north of biblical truth. Here's what Rohr wrote. The First Council of Nicaea's first action was to try to limit the leadership roles of trans pastors and bishops. What a bunch of garbage. Do you think the Council of Nicaea sat around and talked about trans pastors and bishops? They weren't crazy enough to think that people could redefine themselves that way. But there was something here. This is what Rohr is talking about. You may be scratching your head and think, What in the world is this human being talking about? The first council of Nicaea's first action was to try to limit the leadership roles of trans pastors and bishops. I thought their first action was to establish a creed that would hold fast to the apostles' definition of Christianity as they documented it in the Bible. I thought their first action was to hold fast to the teachings of Christ that he is the second person of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that there is no salvation but through Jesus Christ alone. I thought the first action of the Council of Nicaea was to codify the teachings of Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The virgin birth, the death, the resurrection, the miraculous reality of Jesus Christ, the resurrection from the dead by Christ and the fact that we all too can be born again and rise with him in new life. I thought that was the first action of the Council of Nicaea. But no, this woman, and I'm going to use that gender-specific language because this is a biological female who wants to be called a he or a them. Even poor grammar drives me crazy, you know that. The first council of Nicaea and the first action of the council of Nicaea was not to limit transgender and homosexuals from service. That isn't what they were doing. Would they have been opposed to that? Absolutely, because that's unbiblical. But that's not why they got together, folks. Rohr goes on and says this, I'm grateful the Lutherans of the Sierra Pacific Senate are beginning to dismantle this and some of the other hurdles. B-I-P-O-C, people suffer. What the heck are B-I-P-O-C, you ask? Well, here's what they are. Black, indigenous, and people of color. More division, more segregation, more us against them. You might be asking what the Council of Nicaea specifically prohibited. Well, the Council of Nicaea prohibited 
um, those who had castrated themselves from serving in the clergy. They did prohibit that. Is this a transgender person? There's no evidence that that's the way these people describe themselves. You might be asking why the Council of Nicaea would have even addressed that. I don't know. I'm not going to cover it today. It could be because it was a biblical standard, an Old Testament standard, that they affirmed and said they'd hold that fast to. End of story. Move on. Well, Mark Tooley, who is the president of a theologically conservative think tank, the Institute on Religion and Democracy in Washington, D.C., said this about Rohrer's attitude. He said it was akin to the Gnostic attitude, the Gnostic religion that prevailed among the first century. Gnostics who rejected ecumenical orthodoxy in favor of, listen to it, listen to it, get ready for it, in favor of secret knowledge. Secret knowledge, stressing self-actualization, sound familiar, and inner journeys instead of salvation and worshiping the Creator. So Mark Tooley hits this spot on. He responds to Rohr's attitude of dismantling the Council of Nicaea. The Council of Nicaea. Dismantling the Council of Nicaea and its doctrines and its teachings. He likens Rohr's attitude to Gnosticism of the first century. An attitude, a religion that rejected orthodoxy in favor of secret knowledge. I feel this way. The facts don't matter. The facts be damned. I feel this way. I have knowledge of myself that supersedes the objective facts of biology, physiology, of genetics, of the obvious, the empirical obvious that you see before your very eyes. I have secret knowledge because this is who I am. It's the worship of self, self-actualization, this constant drumbeat of inner journeys, of feelings over facts, of opinions over reality, of the narrative over what is natural, of self-actualization and selfishness over service, over repentance, over confession. It's the antithesis of the Christian message, the Christian worldview. Mark Tooley says more about this. He says, no doubt, much more dismantling must be done before true justice and knowledge can prevail against the external authority of revelation proposed by historic Christianity. Or so the Gnostics, yesterday and today, always proclaim. Close quote. I'm going to read that quote to you again by Mark Tooley. He's being facetious, obviously. He makes that clear in his final sentence. So listen to this. Listen to what Mark Tooley is saying facetiously as he pokes a stick at the lack of common sense, the lack of sense that is common, the lack of rationality, the elevation of self over a savior, the elevation of me and mine over God, my knowledge, my awareness, my feelings, my my opinions, the revelation of God, the tradition, the teachings of the church, don't matter. Even back to the Council of Nicaea. That's what this new bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America is saying. Back to Thule. No doubt much more dismantling must be done before true justice and knowledge can prevail against the external authority of revelation proposed by historic Christianity. You see what Thule's saying? They're rebelling 
this bishop is rebelling against the external authority of revelation proposed by historic Christianity. This is Gnosticism. This is what it was yesterday, and this is what it is today. This is what Gnostics always proclaim, that they have the special knowledge, that history doesn't matter, experience doesn't matter, reason doesn't matter. In fact, history, tr- history, experience, and reason, and revelation are all products of oppression. They're all products of white privilege. That's why wokeism is so bad. It is a new religion that replaces Christianity. It's Gnosticism, born again, revived. When I say born again, I don't mean that in a positive sense. We thought it was dead. We thought Gnosticism died in the first, second century, but it hasn't. It's alive and well. Old ideas, old ideas that rekindle themselves like this, old lies need to be addressed in the same fashion as they were a thousand, two thousand years ago. They need to be addressed with the truth. They need to be confronted and put down by the truth that has stood the test of time. Gnosticism failed in its day because it was a lie and people understood it to be a lie. The Council of Nicaea was addressing those lies, or at least some of them. You know, the interesting thing is Luther himself spoke to this issue. So the Lutheran church is ignoring Luther. Here's what Martin Luther said. In order to proceed aright, let us direct our attention to Genesis 1, 27. So God created man, male and female, he created them. From this passage, we may be assured that God divided mankind into two classes, namely male and female, or he and she. This was so pleasing to him that he himself called it a good creation, Genesis 1.31. Therefore, each one of us must have the kind of body God has created for us. I cannot make myself a woman, nor can you make yourself a man. You do not have that power, but we are exactly as he created us. I am a man and you are a woman. Moreover, he wills to have his excellent handiwork honored as his divine creation and not despised. The man is not to despise or scoff at the woman or her body, nor the woman the man. But each should honor the other's image and body as a divine and good creation that is well-pleasing unto God himself. Close quote, Martin Luther. Martin Luther said this, and now you have a transgender bishop, a female who's pretending to be a male, who is despising her body to the extent that she despises God. She dishonors God and his creation, his handiwork, his divine creation. Martin Luther warned of this, but now we have a bishop for the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America who is saying the exact opposite. Al Mohler, a Southern Baptist theologian that many of you know, he's a Southern Baptist pastor, theologian, president of a seminary. He calls it this, We are now in a time of two religions. Two religions. We have Christianity and we have Gnosticism. Two religions forming because of these disagreements over big things. Disagreements over the definition of humanity. Are we the Imago Dei? Are we made in the image of God? And if so, are we obligated to? 
to honor it, acknowledge it, and recognize it as divine creation. In the beginning, God created man, male and female. He created them. It's very clear. It's very specific. It's right there at the beginning of the Bible, and there's nothing in the Bible ever, ever, ever from Genesis to Revelation that elevates any disregard or disdain or diminishment of that distinction. Nothing. As I told you once before, I once challenged a person who felt that I was too harsh on the LGBTQ issues. My challenge was just to look at that person and say, just tell me, I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. Is there anything in the Bible ever, point it out to me, is there anything in the Bible ever that says anything positive about LGBTQ? Anything. Is there anything in the Bible that says anything positive about homosexuality or transgenderism? Anything. There's nothing. There's nothing. The Bible is consistent on this matter from Genesis to Revelation. It's very consistent. In the beginning, God created man, male and female. He created them. And this was so pleasing to him that he himself called it a good creation. Close quote. Martin Luther. Martin Luther. So what we have right now, and again, this is episode one of at least a two-part series, maybe more, on wokeism. We have the elevation of a new religion in the United States of America, and this new bishop for the Evangelical Lutheran Church is the perfect example of that. This is a religion. This is a religion of self-awareness and self-elevation. This is a religion that seeks to dismantle They're not even pretending to hide it any longer. It seeks to dismantle the creedal faith of the church. Dismantle the 2,000-year-old traditions, teachings, revelations, and truths of Christianity. This is a religion of self-worship. You know, I... Use this phrase all the time. I'm going to use it again. This is a religion of worshiping the God you see in the mirror rather than the God you see in the Bible. This is a religion of wokeism. Wokeism, the new religion of the West. And Mark Funk, in his article, this is a little older now, October 20, 2020. Not that old. Mark Funk, in an article dated October 20, 2020, has an article titled this, Wokeism, the New Religion of the West. This is published in convergemedia.com. He says this, There is a new religion, and it's moving like a tidal wave through every facet of Western culture, shaping and redefining society as it goes. This religion masquerades under the guise of compassion and justice, but underneath is an evil ideology that is incompatible with Western values and it's incongruent with the Christian worldview. He goes on and says this, if left unchecked, this religion could lead to a complete unraveling of Western culture. There are many names for this new religion. Wokeness, political correctness, cancel culture, Cultural Marxism, neo-Marxism, social justice, identity politics, critical theory, 
These are all different names and descriptors that are be given, being given to this new religion. But he goes on and says, we're going to call it, for the sake of this article, wokeism. Wokeism. He says, wokeism is a religion. There's no question that it is. Although it has not been organized in, into any formal religious structure, he says, it has all the functions of religious doctrine. It has a unique epistemology. I've told you before what epistemology is. It's how do you know? It's the theory of, theory of knowledge. Funk says this. It has a unique epistemology, a theory of knowledge, an evaluation of the human condition, and a redemptive narrative. But from where did it come? And then Funk goes on and talks about the origin of wokeism. He talks about critical theory. He talks about it being a new religion. He talks about the Frankfurt School and Marcuse. Things that we've discussed on this show before, but I want to discuss them again because this is so important. The question that my relative asked of me, can you tell me again what this woke stuff is all about? I'm confused by it. I understand the question. I think it's intentional to be confusing. It takes language and it butchers it. It pretends that you can be Webster and redefine words that prior to just five minutes ago had an objective meaning like woke. I woke up. Okay, now woke is somehow a descriptor of your political purity, your ideological sensitivity, your hunger and march for justice is now defined by a word woke that isn't even correct grammatically. This is all nonsense, people. This is nonsense. But it's not going to be something you can continue to ignore. Excuse me. You can't continue to ignore this any longer. Because as Bob Dylan said, you're going to serve somebody. Yeah, you're going to serve somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. When Dylan wrote this song, it was prophetic. I don't know whether Dylan was born again Christian at the time. I know that some of the story suggests that he is, but it really doesn't matter for the point of this show. We will always serve somebody. Vacuums are always filled. And this vacuum, this vacuum that the church has left on our culture right now because we failed to preach the word, has resulted in a new religion that's going to be very dangerous to all of us if we don't wake up, okay? Wake up and recognize that in times of universal deceit, and wokeism is a universal lie, in times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. The only thing that will save your freedom, save your dignity, save your identity, the only thing that will save you, both temporally and eternally, is the truth. The truth of Christ, the truth of Scripture, the truth of, this, of the church. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.